question to consider as we come today is, did we come amazed at who God is in our life? I don't know about you, but sometimes it's easy to go to church because it's just what you do, right? You get up, you get dressed, you go to church. But how many times do we enter into this time realizing and recognizing that we are coming into the very presence of the one who created everything? Does he amaze you this morning? I sure hope so. I wanted to just remind us quickly as we get started here uh, that in two weeks is our Baptism Sunday. Uh, That's our outdoor service, and we'll be having a time of baptism. It's actually going to be a really cool morning uh, altogether. But uh, if you are interested, if you have not followed the Lord in baptism and you would like to do so, you can go on our website and sign up there um, or talk to me or one of our elders or one of our pastors after the service. Uh, we would love to, to visit with you and, and uh, get that all set up and ready to go as we celebrate those times together. So in two weeks, remember that. Remember next week is our youth service. So we've got a couple of uh, really neat weeks coming up to celebrate as well. Do you have any stuff? (laughs) We all have stuff, right? And it's all stuff that we absolutely need, right? There is nothing in your house that you do not need, right? I mean, every, everything is... You know, it's amazing to me how we accumulate over the years, right? Do you remember when you got married? What did you have when you got married? Less stuff. I mean, I remember we were, we were sleeping on, a, on an air mattress for a while. I think we had one couch. We had a little black and white hand-me-down TV. Um, Anything that we owned was given to us at our wedding. And so we had very little stuff. And we could put it all into one small, one-bedroom apartment. And we still had room left over. It's amazing how all of a sudden, from there, you know what happens? Well, the TV gets a little bit bigger. We need to have a bigger TV, right? We got to have more furniture because we want to have more people over. We got to have more plates. We got to have more dishes. I mean, honestly, is there anybody here who has dishes in their cupboard that you have not used for years? Right? We do. We have all of this stuff that gathers. And, and so all of a sudden, what do you do? You, start, you get all this stuff and you have no room for it. So what do you do? You build shelves. Right? All of a sudden, it's amazing. You go downstairs and you start building shelves so you can put all of that stuff that you haven't used in years on a shelf and forget about it. We have stuff. We like our stuff. Sometimes our stuff defines us, doesn't it? What we have defines who we are. We sometimes even get our self-worth through our stuff. But stuff can be a real problem. As a matter of fact, consider this question for a moment. If today God were to call you home, what would happen with your stuff? Have you ever just thought about that for a moment? If you were to be called home today, what would happen with all of your stuff? Well, some of you are going, well, that's easy. My kids would take care of it. 
You know what that's called, right? A dumpster. Yeah. There's all your stuff. <laughs> but you know, it's like we look at this and all of this stuff that we have, we got to have. Now, understand that stuff is not bad in and of itself. All right? It's not bad. But stuff can be a, a, a contributing factor in a life of apathy towards God as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want to look at a parable with you in Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, you can turn with me there to Luke chapter 12, verse 13 is where we'll be starting. It's called the parable of the rich fool. Now, it's interesting because he's not a fool because he's rich. Let's get that out right away, all right? We're not going to the place today where you got to, you know, everything is bad. All right, Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 13, and let's look at what Jesus has to say about this man. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man, rich man, yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now it's easy to read that. You know, I find it kind of easy, interesting because a guy comes to Jesus and he says, Hey Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Now, we can go down a whole path of custom and, you know, how, what, what everything was at. But Jesus is going, why are you coming to me about this? But he understood something in that question. Where was the heart of the man that was coming to him? The man was saying to Jesus, Jesus, make sure that I get the stuff that I deserve. So Jesus, rather than saying, okay, let's work this out, he looks at him and he says, let me tell you a story. And he tells the story of the rich farmer that basically says, look at all of this that I've done for myself. Now, there's a couple of, th something we need to deal with first. It's easy for us to go to the place of saying material possessions and wealth is bad, right? But I want you to notice something. Actually, we can look at the blessing first. The blessings of what God has given to us, even before we get into the trap, we understand that God loves to bless his children. Stuff in and of itself is not evil. Now, again, I want to be careful. We're not going to tread into what is considered to be the health and wealth theology. 
which basically simply says, you know what, if you love Jesus and you do this, you do that, then he's going to make you a rich person. That's not what it's about. Understand that the blessings of God come in various forms, various different avenues. God can bless us in ways that is not monetary, but he can also do that. God loves to bless his children. I think sometimes we struggle with that. We like to think that God is the, the, the killjoy sometimes, right? God doesn't want us to have anything. You know, we need to live in poverty. We need to, we need to be struggling through life. You know, we, we go to those passages, consider pure joy when you consider trials of many kinds. You know, we go there quite easily. But do we understand that God does love to bless his faithful children? And sometimes that looks, as a matter of fact, in the text this morning, understand that the man was not considered a fool because he had great wealth. That was not the point. As a matter of fact, we see that God blessed the farmer in an abundance in his crop. You know, it's interesting. Just, you know, think about that. If a farmer comes to you after harvest and he goes, I got to tell you something. I had a tremendous harvest best harvest ever do you look at him and go oh man i'm so sorry i know you were looking for a subpar maybe average at best harvest no what do we do we go wow what a blessing from god right we see these things as a blessing. God loves to bless. And we see in this story, he was not a fool because of the abundance that God had blessed him with. That's not where it goes. As a matter of fact, you look in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Look what it says there. Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God. Now look at what it says. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you ever see that before? Do you remember seeing that verse in there? I mean, it's easy. Again, look at what he said. God provides richly for our enjoyment. God blesses at times with stuff for us to enjoy. It can easily do it. Proverbs 22, 4. We kind of read something a little similar. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. To live a faithful life towards the Lord, fearing the Lord, he says, this is what can be a result. God can bless. As a matter of fact, if you look in the scripture, you see time and time and time again where God blessed his followers, his children with wealth. Think of Job for a moment. Job was a very wealthy man. It wasn't God who took everything from him, right? Who was it? Satan. Satan took everything. And then when Job was found faithful, what did God do? He said to him, you know what? You were okay with very little. We'll just keep it there. No. It says he gave him even more than what he had before. God bless Job. Think of Abraham. Abraham was considered to be very wealthy among his people. Boaz was a great landowner, well-known, highly favored among people. Solomon, David's son. Solomon, God comes to Solomon and says, hey, I tell you what, I, I'm going to give you one wish. What do you want for that one wish? And Solomon goes, I want to be wise to know how to lead your people. Do you remember what God's response to that was? God says, since you asked for wisdom, 
I will grant you wisdom. But on top of that, I will grant you great wealth and fame. The blessing of God to Solomon was wealth. Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, had a horrible start to things. But then look what God did. God blessed him with a lot of material possessions and a lot of uh, ability to, to have an impact in Egypt. He had a lot of power in that. Why? Because he was a faithful servant of God. And God blessed him. We even read of a, of a man called Joseph of Arimathea in Scripture. Scripture tells us that Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb. That was Joseph of Arimathea. So to, to say that this is all evil and we must avoid all of this at all costs, no, understand that God blesses His children. We need to start there because when we start there, we can see how that can easily now turn into what would be considered the trap of stuff. And this is where we struggle with. We know that God can bless. God brings these blessings, but at times we can easily fall into the trap. And here's a great way to know when we've fallen into the trap. It's a simple phrase that we say often. It's mine. Do you ever say that? It's mine. I'll admit, I am one of those Lord of the Rings guys, you know. Any of you know Lord of the Rings? Watch that. You're quiet ones, all right. You know, what's interesting is you read that there's this ring called the Ring of Power, right? The one ring to rule them all. And, and, and everybody wants to get their hands on this ring. But the one thing that is interesting is every person who has held on to that ring says the same thing. You know what that saying was? It's mine. It's my precious. It's mine. That one simple ring was a possession that they took control of, of their life, and they couldn't help it. The trap falls into place when we start to look at the things that God has blessed us with as things that are only to benefit myself, and they are mine to do with what I want to do with. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, we read of the rich young ruler, the rich young man, depending on what translation you read. This young man comes, it says, this young man comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of goes through this, and at the end he basically says, here's what you need to do. Go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And then it says that he walked away sad because he had much stuff that one blows my mind here's this guy jesus you know what here's what it is yep i know where your heart is it's all your stuff you've fallen into the trap go get rid of all of that stuff and then come back to me follow me and we'll be good and it says that he could not even see the greatest treasure the greatest blessing the eternal treasure that he could have had because the stuff had brought him in and trapped him so much he walked away because he had great wealth we look throughout Scripture and we can see this kind of repeated again and again. You might have heard of the prophet named Balaam in Numbers 22 through 24, those chapters. Balaam is one of these prophets for hire kind of thing. And these guys came to him and they said, Hey, we want to hire you to curse the children of God. The guy was ready to curse God's people 
for money. That's Balaam. You got Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. They come to, to, the, to the apostles and, and God had worked in the church and, and they were selling their land. They were selling possessions and bringing the money to the apostles and laying it at their feet so that ministry could be done. And here comes Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a piece of land, but they kept some of it for themselves. Now, it wasn't because they kept anything for themselves that made God angry. They didn't, God didn't kill them because they kept money for themselves. What happened was they came to the apostles and said, here are all the proceeds. The trap of stuff had caught them so much that they couldn't give freely. And when they did give, they wanted people to consider them as really good people because of how much they gave. They lied. 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul gives us the trap. For the love of money is a root of all kind of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Do you see the word that is there? doesn't say for money is the evil. The love of money. It is that desire for more. It's the desire to have so that I can have. When the stuff overshadows our love for God, consider Judas for a moment. Judas Iscariot, he saw only 30 pieces of silver and realized that that was more important than following the Messiah. And he sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Why? Because he didn't have Enough. As a matter of fact, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, he puts it this way in Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. I know you've heard me refer to this before, but several years ago, there was a, a survey or questions that they went around to people and, and simply asked, are you satisfied with your income? Now, if I were to ask that question this morning and to say, you know, by a show of hands, how many of you are okay with your level of income right now? You're, you're content, you don't need any more and all that. It, it, we're in church and pretty much all of you would go, yes, right? <laughs> Inside you're going, no, right? No, but they found in every case, every person that they went and asked that question to, the person said, if I only had a little bit more. A little bit more. In some cases, it was doubled. And it didn't matter the level of income. Whether you were barely making any or you were making a ton of money, every person was saying, I need more. I need more. Here's a question to ask ourselves. Am I satisfied with where I am? Do I have enough income? Is that okay from where I'm at? Let me really ask you a hard one. I want you to, in your mind, I want you to picture somebody that you know, maybe even in this room, that has needs, has a real need. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. If in these moments the Holy Spirit were to speak to your heart and come and say to you, hey, you know that vehicle you drove to church today? After church, I want you to hand the keys to that person. Give them that vehicle. How does that make you feel right in this moment? 
Is there that battle that's going on that you're going, oh, I, I, I couldn't do it. I don't think I can do it. Now, some of you might be going, well, if you saw my car, that's, <laughs> they can have it. Uh, no, but it kind of, when all of a sudden, when we have this idea, we struggle inside because the trap of stuff goes much deeper than we even think it does. How easy is it for you to pull a $20 bill out of your pocket and just hand it to somebody? Some days it works out pretty easily. Other days it might be hard. The trap of stuff. Well, here's the great part about this. There's a solution to this. And one of the things that we often think, we go to the place of, just like I did, now understand, I'm not asking anybody to give their vehicle away, all right? we automatically do go to the place where we think that in order to not fall under the trap of stuff, what we have to do is get rid of it. We have to live the life of poverty. We can't have, and that's what we feel. But look at what the solution is. In the story that we read in the text of the morning, it says that the rich fool, the farmer, the rich foolish farmer, he had the blessing. God blessed him with an abundant crop. That wasn't bad. The trap was when he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build bigger barns for myself so that I can do with whatever I want to do with it and then I don't have to worry about anything. And God said, you fool, this very night your life is going to be taken from you. But then look at what he says. Here's the solution to the trap of stuff. The last verse in there, he says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. What does this mean? It means, am I generous in what I have towards God? And in the, in the flip side of that, am I generous in what God has given with me to be generous towards others? Do we understand that in, in life we are blessed to be a blessing? This is the economy of God, is I don't just bless you so that you have more and more and more and more. He says, I bless you so that you can be a blessing. And there have been times in our life that we have looked and we have seen how incredible it is that God has blessed people. And we know why God has done that. Because they use what God has given them to be a blessing to others. I love it. My folks are in town today. We get to spend some time with them this next week. And uh, I thought maybe a a story that they told me once would be okay. Probably you could come up and tell it a lot better than I could, but you'll remember it. A few years back, several years back, there was a a gentleman and his wife that had a really nice boat, kind of like a yacht-type boat. And it was an expensive boat. But one of the things that they did with that boat was they would call and invite pastors and their wives to go on a, on a few day, was it three day or a full week? It was a week, it was a week long cruise and basically say, we are providing for you for this week. So they would go on, the food was on there, they would put them in a hotel at the port of, at each night and it was just a beautiful gift and a blessing to those who would not be able to do that. And you look at that and you go, it is clear why God would bless a person like that. Because they are rich to God in how they handle the stuff that God has blessed them with. So again, get what that says. It is not necessarily that we are not supposed to have nothing. 
but that we use what we have to be generous to God and others? Are we willing to take what God has given to us to be generous with that? Now, again, remember what it says, whoever is not rich toward God. Now, I'm going to go into the metal moment here where I'm going to, I'm going to go there just for a moment. And we're going to talk for just shortly about the word tithing. <laughs> this is one of those things that pastors tread fearfully into and we don't like to discuss it because it always comes around to this you just want more of my money no God is blessing us as a church we're thankful for what God is doing tithing is not about the church notice what he says in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 through 10 honor the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all of your crops Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You see the promise there. Look, if you give to the Lord, if you are generous to God, then what He will do is be generous back to you. But here's what it comes down to. Notice the words, first fruits. What does that mean? The top, the premium, the first of what comes in. Not the afterthought not the leftovers. Again in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, and this is a passage that I love to go to, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. I want you to know something. This is one time in scripture where God actually says this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Test me. See if I am faithful in what I... Notice what he's saying. He's going, you know what? I can give you this stuff and you can hold it all for yourself and that's your prerogative. But here's the problem. At times what we do is we think, you know what? I need God to bless me so that I can then be a blessing to God. Many times over the years, I have heard individuals say, Pastor, I want to tithe, I want to give, but once the bills are paid and everything's done, there is nothing left over. You know what? That is the reverse thinking of what we should be doing. God said, bring your first fruits into the storehouse and then watch to see how I will bless in ways you can't even imagine. When we are generous to God, He will be generous in return. The trap of stuff says, I can't give. The the trap of stuff says, I can't tithe. I can't afford to do this. The solution to the problem would say, I can't afford not to faithfully tithe. Look at Luke 6.38 for a moment. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do you get what he's saying? You know what? I want to bless you. I want to bless you. This is my desire. But the fact is, is you have to be a blessing yourself. We've got to be generous to God. Now understand, now before, again, we kind of tread on a very precarious perch here a little bit. That, okay, well, if I'm going to tithe, then God is going to, you know, Blessings, again, come in various different forms. 
doesn't necessarily mean that if I'm going to tithe 10%, then God is going to increase my income 50%. That's not how we look at it. As a matter of fact, if that's how you're looking at it, you're looking at it all wrong. It is simply this. God, you have blessed me with all what you have and I want to give to you first. I want to be faithful to return back to you the praise of what you have given to us and to go down. And I want to be a generous person to others as much as I can. Solomon, a man of all kinds of wisdom. Look at what he says about it in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting at verse 18. He says, This is what I have observed to be good that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. This is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possession and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied with gladness of heart. Now that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? This is what we, the blessings of God are given for us to enjoy. It's not bad to have it. God blesses it with us. The question is, what do we do with the blessings that God has given to us? Again, are we thankful for those blessings? Do we reflect back to God the praises for what he has given to us? And then do we use those things to be a blessing to others? And we find that as we do that, God does incredible stuff. So as we close, let's get practical for a moment. Application. What can I walk away with this morning? Maybe it's not that God is telling you to hand the keys of your car off to somebody as you walk out the door. Likely that's not what is being done today. But one of the things that we can do is we can say, God, would you give me a generous heart? A heart that desires to use what you have given to me to be a blessing back to you and to others. So let me give three simple things that you can do. First one is this. If you are not presently tithing and being generous to the Lord, may I encourage you this morning to start doing so. If you feel that this is a plea for us just to have more money, let me give you this way. Find a ministry that God lays on your heart and give to the ministry of God. Start there. Second application. If God has blessed you, thank Him for it. Find those times when you use something. You know, when you get into your vehicle today to go home and it starts... Simply say, God, thank you for the blessing of this vehicle. Thank you for the food that we get to eat for lunch. Whatever it is, remember to thank God. And then the third thing, consider a way that you can be a blessing to somebody else with the blessings that God has given to you this week. Now, it's easy for me to just say, you know, walk, go away, you know, think of how you can. This week, think of a way that you can be a blessing to somebody this week. Take somebody out for coffee. Take somebody fishing or golfing. Teach somebody a a, a hobby, whatever it might be. Find out what somebody, be a blessing with what God has blessed you. And here's something that I know will happen. When you do that, you will think it was the most fun that you have had in a long time. 
Because as you bless God, God blesses in return. It's easy to get caught into the trap of stuff. But there are the solutions to it. Where are you at with that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for the abundance that You have given to us. It's easy for us to even go to the place of saying that we may not have much. We struggle to make ends meet. But when we consider what our world has to deal with, we are rich beyond measure. Father, we thank You and we praise You for that. We thank You that we can be a blessing to others. And Lord, maybe in these moments You would give us that sense of excitement on how we can be a blessing to someone this week and how we can be generous to You as well. Help us to avoid the trap of stuff, but to use the blessings that You have given to us to advance Your kingdom and your, your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.